0: And this just happened to me uh, like two weeks ago with a uh, a new client. And we started going into just a regular, um, had done some breath work, and that went okay. And then went into just a regular processing. And she starts to breathe uh, heavier and a little faster. And what she was doing was going into a spontaneous rebirthing uh, or holotropic or accelerated breath session this Anybody know what that is? You're familiar with this is uh, this is something that you might be quite interested in. The whole accelerated accelerated breath school is a uh, you know a, 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 a very uh, significant means of holistic healing. Very important. But she's going into it spontaneously. She's starting to breathe faster and and sighing and huge tears and uh, kind of hysterical. And I believe uh, probably any other therapist would say, whoa, whoa, calm down. You're, you, this is too far. And they start to get a little you know, um, fearful about what's going on. But I just continu- uh, just encouraged her to continue. Okay, you're doing fine. Just stay with it. Stay relaxed. Keep breathing into it. She got a little more hysterical. And this went on for uh, a couple of minutes before there was any kind of dropping down. But it came to its natural end. Uh and that's what that's what always happens. At least that's the working theory here. And just knowing that you're there. And then we had a a beautiful and amazing session for about forty five minutes where she just continued spontaneous accelerated breath, where she was in this uh hyper altered state. You know, hyper witnessing. Like a it's like a psychedelic state, the uh accelerated breath or rebirthing experience. You should, If you haven't done it, you should really seek it out and do it. Do like 10 sessions. It'll change your life. It's an amazing experience. Yeah, the theory is it just really jars loose negativity that you can't get to any other way. Uh, it's called accelerated breathing? Well, that's what I call it, but it's known as re- rebirthing. Rebirthing? Or Stan Grof started up with his particular version of it called holotropic breathing. Uh, usually you have to go to a facilitator because it's uh, it's hard to do it on your own for various reasons. So usually you do it in a group. But I don't, you know, this used to be, this was popular 10, 20 years ago. Today I'm not sure if it would be, I haven't really seen of course I haven't been looking I don't really check the natural news classifieds too much. I was recently Uh looking, and a friend had recommended, I think it was the holotropic. Yeah. Uh Yeah.
1: Um, John, I was just going to add, it sounds like uh, what I've experienced uh, a lot of, and uh, that that was a trauma release. It's a trauma release. And I had. Uh, there's a couple of really good books out there by Peter Levine. You probably heard of that, "Waking the Tiger," and also Janoff. He wrote uh, "Primal Scream" back. Yeah, in the
0: right. Uh-huh. And then he rewrote
1: mm-hmm. it, "Primal Scream" now.
0: Oh yeah. Oh.
1: Mm-hmm. But I, ha- I was curious. Did about you Did
0: you use accelerated breath? Yes. Oh, from good. From
1: beginning to end.
0: Oh, good. Uh-huh. Okay.
1: Uh-huh. And. um... I was going to ask because it se- I was a little bit confused because it seemed a while back and suggesting that we move away from that. Or Yeah, you, ha- you have to bit-
0: use your judgment about that. The possibility is that crying can be an avoidance mechanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it can be an authentic releasing part of the releasing. So you have to okay. just Have to just watch and try to.
2: What do you mean by avoidance mechanism? How would somebody use that as an avoidance mechanism?
0: Uh, Avoiding directly sitting and being present with the feelings. When you're in this, when you're in a hysterical crying state, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of like uh, not really connecting to anything. It's it's disconnected. You're, You're certainly not present with your feelings. You're being overwhelmed by your feelings, uh-huh. and crying probably occurs as a natural response when feelings get too intense, right? They, uh, you, you just lapse into crying. It means you're disengaging with the feelings, and you're lapsing into crying because there's been a hurt of some sort. But you're certainly not being fully present with the feelings when you're when you're crying. So, uh, but at the same time, a little bit of crying seems to accompany genuine release. Usually it's after. See, this is also what, what I've noticed. The crying may occur after the releasing occurs. And, and then you have a sense that it's more authentic. And you know, You've been working in the heart, and there's been no crying. And, and then you've had the sense that there's been uh, genuine being present with the feelings in the heart. And then, uh, th- then that kind of softens into some tears. and That, that seems to be genuine.
2: I I asked because, um, you know, you had talked about earlier at one point someone may just have gotten into alpha and basically just by going into alpha have a release of a strong emotion. Um, And I have had that experience personally and really, literally, all of a sudden out of nowhere, I had a very strong emotional release in my chest that was, of course, crying. I mean, it was the, just immediate, mm-hmm. and I really did have quite a release of emotion and core-level feeling uh, during that time. I did not see the crying as a hamper in any way. In fact, it was spontaneous and authentic. And yeah, okay,
0: well, that sounds that sounds you good.
2: You know what I mean? Like I, I yeah. just, I'm just trying to learn.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. That sounds, that sounds okay. But you know there I'm sure you know there are people who are overly emotional, right? Yes. You know, and that's You're right. and
2: they <clears> hysterically <throat> cry all the time. Yeah, but.
0: and and so that's what I'm talking about. It's Okay. Be, it would be even if you're not crying but just overly emotional. Well, I'm, I'm not sure we're getting into maybe getting off track here. But but that's what I'm it, talking it, to. It does seem like semantics, but I think it's uh you know, I personally did the same thing where I did Reiki once where I cried for a whole hour and a half and it was very cathartic. Yeah, good. Uh, uh-huh. But at the same time, I could see where you might have a, a client that would just not want to deal or not want to uh, get in touch with the feelings and just kind of stay in that, the, the crying, even unconsciously for them, might just keep them from really going anywhere. Right, right. <laughs>
2: okay that yeah, makes I, sense like crying through dialogue and such yeah
1: yeah i was really Mrs. marguerite i was just really confused by that point because with my trauma release training crying was a really big part of it it was it just seemed like it was unavoidable i'm not really sure about how to determine if someone is overly emotional because to me that's sort of a judgment call and i don't want to make that judgment call because i know sometimes people will tell me i'm too analytical and I often think well i'm too analytical for them it's suits
0: me fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's 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 never um, you know out of place if they if there is a lot of crying, it, you're never out of place to just suggest try to hold back on the tears and just be present uh, with the core feeling. You know, in that way that I described earlier where there's that sense of quietness and you're just present with the core feeling. See if you can move them into that place without necessarily uh, laying down any judgments about crying you're just presenting an alternative way to deal with the feelings see if you can hold back the tears for a minute just focus quietly on that inner feeling and that's you know that's something that would not offend somebody or make them uh, question what you're doing i don't think
2: i have a feeling also john that like you're saying right now that i happen to have two um Hysterical criers in my family, <laughs> and they, they would start crying as soon as the dialogue began, and to me, that uh-huh. would be my indication that they use the crying as avoidance uh-huh. so they wouldn 't even really be able mm-hmm. to get through you know the dialogue portion of their feelings or what they want to talk about before they would be getting to cry
0: yeah, yeah, so, so so they need some strengthening in that area i 'm not mm-hmm. sure exactly what that would be but there's some kind of psychic strengthening they need to be able to be present with uh, adverse feelings and they're simply easily overwhelmed by adversity.
2: Also too in your book you had mentioned people can be addicted to their own emotions and I think that's part of it too just sort of as being addicted to their own drama as a way to again self-reject
0: and Uh avoid the feeling. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Do you have any input about the strong emotions that um, the, about what I said? Oh, I
3: just, I just completely agree with what you were saying about the strong emotions actually get get in the way of actually deeply in alpha. That it feels like they actually disconnect. It's like a more disconnected state of. Um, uh-huh.
0: But what about what about handling strong emotions when they come up?
3: About handling strong emotions. Uh, yeah,
0: when a client starts to exhibit something bordering on hysteria. You know
3: what how would I handle it?
0: Well, no, I was just curious if you had any comment about what I said. You know, know. allowing the hysteria to continue with just a sense of being present and so on.
3: Right. I mean, weren't you saying something about helping them to feel their body and being present with a strong feeling and and whatnot? Yeah, Yeah, I think that that's the the way to Mm -hmm. go, is just keep people present, you know, with their body. Exactly what you said, just people present with their body and with their breath and but
0: but not, not try to to, to, to bring them out of the hysteria not saying come out of that uh, relax in other oh, words okay. letting it proceed naturally to its natural conclusion rather than getting uh hysterical yourself and saying whoa stop what's happening here
3: oh right if anything what i guess one would do would be to drop deeper into their own body and feel more resonance in their own body and feeling sense in order to guide in energetically in that way through experience and the resonance between the facilitator and the um, Hmm. client, so to speak, of how to Mm -hmm. more deeply connect with the resonant state as they're having their feelings. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Would that be an instance where going to the, the
4: witness might be helpful? Or do you think it's better to let it go to its natural resolution instead?
0: It it probably would be. Actually, that's one of the suggestions down here that I have, on the bottom of page 38. But if they're if they're really um, hysterical, it it might they might not, might not be able to do that. It might be too much of a
4: too much of a switch.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Too much of a switch because okay. they're in. Uh, I mean, going to the witness is always the good strategy, and when they're in a hysterical place, they're the opposite of the witness. they're caught up in the feelings they're overwhelmed by the feelings, but still, we believe there will be a natural uh cycle of building and releasing that happens with that if it's allowed to go on, but that doesn't necessarily represent a uh you know a deep clearing um otherwise just you know, becoming hysterical would be healing. And we we know that doesn't work. So you need to do something else. So the work needs to follow the hysteria period. But
1: Yeah, I was just, um, I just wanted to add that it it is a little bit confusing to me. I've never heard, honestly, I have never heard that um, you want to set these sort of emotional signals aside um, to get to something else because in the training that I had gone through and was taught in trauma release it's sort of uh... more common than less common that somebody would cry and get hysterical and that sort of thing and and it does come at different times but I was taught that that is part of the release the congestion that finally they're getting into it and it's like physically leaving their body through tears and and that's sort of what uh, Peter Levine goes into in his book. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm, I'm not sure if you heard me I'm not disagreeing with that. We're just saying it's possible that there can be an extreme of over-emotionalism that's non-productive. And that, Yeah,
1: that's uh, the part I'm not familiar with. I just I'm not okay.
0: I've never heard that before. Okay, so it's a new idea. And Well, uh, and, if
1: you don't mind
2: uh, since we keep, apparently we seem to really like this topic, um, mm-hmm. I can give you I can give you an example of someone who literally can never stop crying. I mean, never stop crying when someone discusses with them what how they're feeling or what their issue is. This person literally cries so much that even the people that know him don't even know how to respond to it. So there is no way that this person, like if he was in a session with you, <coughs> y- you couldn't even you couldn't even really help him. You couldn't even really get him in touch with his emotions because of the hysterical crying that never ends. So they're really I think it is an extreme situation, but it's definitely very valid, I think, what that we're just saying that there are gonna be those people that you do need to somehow bring them out of that or you're really not gonna be able to help them at all. They're not gonna be able to have a
1: clearing while they're there. Thanks for that Carol. That that helped a lot.
4: And, John, I have a question about this section. Okay. What do you do if you have someone who's resistant to the summary? Negative thought process or a reaction to what happened in the session, and then that's coming up in the summary, but they're avoiding it? I, these are issues I always had with my son. stupid for having it, and he was quite upset about it. And it was actually a very long process afterwards for like a day or two till I could get him... To talk to me about it and to work through it and to understand the differences between his mm. hindsight and the actual
3: emotion-huh
4: and I'm wondering if there was something I could have done to have avoided all that drama that we had afterwards.
0: Mm. Um, nothing nothing comes to mind It, it sounds like it might it be a, a characteristic of of a teenager to
4: <laughs> yeah it was his <laughs> to be
0: you know to be so um, I guess reactive in that way course you know he's launching into self rejection right and that's what you're describing so uh, how do you approach that it's i guess just delicately and uh, you know whenever it seems feasible to to discuss it but uh, i i think with i think uh, de- dealing with adolescence is very challenging it's it's I've worked with a few a few of them, but uh, I can't say that I feel like I'm an expert with them, but uh, <clears throat> there might be different rules and a different set of patients, a different kind of patience that's required to to work with them because they have this you, you know kind of inability to communicate fully as an adult as, as we are doing, you know, and' they, there's, they're moody and pouting and so on many, many times. <coughs> Probably calls for extra skills to be able to deal with that. But I, is there you,
4: less resistance in the alpha state? Is it better to communicate more in the alpha state with someone who's resistant of like the summary stage?
0: Uh, it might be. It could be. Um, but you know, you know, you're, you you don't want to. You're in alpha, so you, you want to be careful about getting too left brainy. Right. You you. Uh, a little bit is okay, but not too much. Okay. But I don't, it may not be necessary, you know. Uh, if, if a releasing seemed to occur in Alpha, then maybe it's just like pride or something like that or some variation of pride that uh, needs to be, uh, you know, given some space. Don't when is
2: it appropriate, John, to discuss the parts of your book um as more of a, just a, a pure left brain teaching with a client, which is kind of where Maria's uh, what she's bringing in about being non-reactive, about uh, accepting all parts of yourself and being non-judgmental. I mean, I feel like that is just kind of purely left brain stuff.
0: What yeah, y- yeah, and and uh, it's it's philosophy, and you know, it's practical philosophy, and it's um, in, in a way, it's vital information. To have as you do this work, so that's why I always recommend not just to sell another book, but to have the client, have your clients read the book. And many times, well, with me, everybody's read the book, of course. But with you, that may not be the case. You you might have other modalities, maybe they're coming to you, not necessarily to emotional clearing. So you you may, you may need to introduce it, and that's actually a little more of a challenge. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, yeah,
2: essentially, you're right. Most of the people that will be coming to me won't necessarily cognitively know they're coming to me for emotional clearing, but that's pretty much where it right. will be taken, because it's really actually intuitively what they want. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's and like we said yesterday morning, that's what that's, what the, that's what's needed. So you're right, yeah, that's what you'll be giving them. Uh, uh, I don't know, so just, you know, introduce them easily to it, and uh, I know a lot of therapists recommend my book because I got a lot of people calling me who, uh, who came to me that way, so certainly you can recommend the, the book to them.
2: Right, and, and maybe
0: even talk about different... Yeah. Because
2: there's so much in the book, even say, hey, it would be great if you went to this chapter. Right, You know, right. looked at the right. non-reactiveness. Because I think that's a really crucial part right. of, of working your program going forward. Mm-hmm. At least I know it has been for me. Is that non-reactiveness? You know, when as because we're all human, we're going to still be going through this life, you know, work in progress for the rest of our life. When you have that feeling, if you remember the non-reactiveness, you can clear it instead of reject, self-rejecting and pushing it back down.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So right.
2: That's something we haven't really touched on yet. I'm, I'm sure you were getting there I'm probably jumping ahead <laughs> sorry
4: <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that Carol because it actually was a, a left brain resolution that we got to. He simply needed to understand that there was a that the emotions he had at two months would be extremely different and understandably so. Um, so once I went to that kind once I, I think the problem that I had with him in that instant was I wasn't getting enough information out of him during alpha I wasn't really doing a lot of communication at that point and I didn't really understand what emotion he was clearing. So when he wouldn't explain it in summary, I couldn't get him to a resolution because I couldn't get him to see. I didn't know what the problem was. And he was very resistant at that mm, point.
2: Uh-huh. And did you not ask for clarification in Alpha because of your relationship with him or because you wouldn't do that anyway with any, any client?
4: I, I just wasn't you know I mean? um, familiar enough with that part of the process. I was actually okay. doing a, a sort of tweaked <coughs> version of, of what we're doing here and gotcha. uh, based more in hypnotherapy, and she really didn't do a lot of, of communication in alpha, so I didn't realize it was possible. So it, it, it's been, it, it's a really strong tool to have.
2: <laughs> the biggest question I have is how do you proceed forward when you're encountered with Someone who's really having a lot of difficulty getting out of their head, and even though you know throughout the process you may continue to ask, "How do you feel?" or "How does that feel?" They always respond with an intellectual reply. Uh huh. So I guess that's probably my biggest. Uh,
0: yeah, I guess just just keep at it. Uh, you know, they don't have a conception of what the left brain is uh, or, or what the right brain is, and, that, and that's why they're in the left brain. So it's just a matter of getting across to them in maybe several different ways what the experience is when you 're in the right brain when you 're in the body when you 're in the feeling center when you 're in the moment, and so on. Just take every opportunity to try to uh, you know keep leading them in that direction if you're If you continue to work with them you you can emphasize. For example, just connecting to the body at the beginning of the processing session. Just say, you know, let's take a a minute or two and just feel the body. And make sure you're not thinking about the body. Try to really appreciate the difference between being in the thinking center and being in the feeling center. You know, open your feeling center. Feel the body. Or feel the breath. Like... uh, the, the Buddhist meditation, the focusing on the breath, you could say is an exercise in uh, moving into the right brain because you're you're focusing on the the physical aspect of the body, the breath, and uh, well sometimes they don't emphasize feeling the breath, but after you do it for a while, you start to get into that uh, um, yeah, I think it's just staying with them, you know, and, and also resonating with them if you're in the r- the right brain. That's, that's a big help, too. Well, I yeah. could
2: always feel, I, I can always feel everybody that I'm working with pretty strongly. And I feel what they're feeling in different parts of my body. But often when I do finally go there because they don't seem to be able to connect with it, the minute I say it, they generally say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm feeling. But they can't seem to connect to it until I happen to mention you know, I'm feeling something right here, you know, and then they go, oh, yeah, yeah. But I found myself having to, um, or maybe it's just that I couldn't hold back <laughs> from, from verbalizing uh-huh. all the feelings that I'm having because they're all pretty strong.
0: Hmm. Well, that, I think that can be helpful. Now, uh, Of course, you want to be careful that you're not leading. It's, it's a fine, fine line, but it sounds like you're probably not leading, and that might be very helpful for them to, you know, because the feeling might just be beyond their threshold. And when you point it out, that that uh, you know that kind of opens the door for them. M- maybe there's a another way of pointing it out that it might yeah. m- might be. Uh, you know, an alternative, I'm or might be about that. like mm-hmm. instead of saying uh, I feel, I you know I'm feeling this feeling of whatever it is, maybe just uh, something like, how about in your shoulder, what's happening there? Uh-huh. 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 Or maybe you have some ideas without being too directive, but but directive is where we're going to. So it's yeah. it, it's all just a matter of uh, judgment on your part, what you need, uh, what, what the client needs, and what you want to give them.